Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. You don't understand. This is a liar. How can you think that I'm her dad when we both look exactly the same age? We do not look the same age. I was being kind. Wait, I'm going to hypnotize him. I hereby christen this mutton Barbie camper Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Hello and welcome to this episode of Pop Goes the Tam Tam. For this episode, we're going to be discussing the first episode of the breakout hit Our Flag Means Death ahead of the Series 2 release. Our Flag Means Death has finally reached UK shores and it's available to watch on iPlayer or... If you want to watch it week by week, you can also see it on BBC Two. With that in mind, I have decided to sit down with a very special guest to discuss this first episode. Welcome, special guest. Hello. (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) I'm Townsend's mum. That's right. Tamsin's mum is back and this time she's moved out of the comfort zone of Doctor Who. How do you feel? Nervous. You're nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's lovely. I'm going to go for nautical now. It's lovely to have you on board. (laughs) So let's jump into this episode. I have seen... Now, I probably shouldn't admit to this, but I may have seen it not legally. This is the first time that I've been able to see the show in a good quality HD and also (laughs) legally. You owe me, (laughs) Harkin. Exactly. Prioritisation. For the nation. For the nation. As established, I have seen this previously this is your first time viewing yeah so let's just break down the first episode so in the pilot episode helpfully titled pilot we're introduced to the crew first which i think is really interesting definitely so we meet this crew and anyone i think familiar with the sort of post office parks and recreations type comedies office comedies yeah yeah office space comedies will recognize some of the archetypes that are made up and embodied within the crew yeah but we kind of get to know the crew first and then we're introduced to steve bonnet yeah and i think that is quite interesting because we kind of view him, we view Steed through the crew's eyes we do. for the first, I'd say, what, two or three minutes? Yeah. Which I think is pivotal because it really gets across... The bones of the story. And how strange he appears to them. To them, yeah. 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 And consequently, how strange he appears to us. And then obviously as the episode unravels, we learn more about Steed Mm. and his experiences. But this first opening, these first couple of minutes, it's really all about the crew and sort of getting to know them. And I think the first thing that comes across is how fatalistic they are. 
Yeah. From Frenchie's song. Absolutely, yeah. That they won't live long. And then Olawande kind of basically reiterates that at the end of the episode where he says, well, we won't be alive long, so we might as well enjoy it. Mm. So there's this sort of fatalistic attitude and you think to yourself, is that because they know that Steed is such a rubbish captain or is that just because they're really fatalistic? Yeah. Because you mentioned a really good thing. So obviously we had a pre-discussion before we actually started recording. We did. And you made some really interesting points. And the first point you made was about how useless the crew is. So I'm going to open the deck up to you. Imagine we're on a ship. You now have the deck. Okay. How useless are the crew? Okay. Right. Well, they're the crew that the crew nobody wanted doesn't want. I mean, and I think that is reflected in their fatalistic attitude because they, they themselves don't believe that they've got anything to offer. And I think it's interesting that, and there again, you've also got, why did Steed pick them? Well, obviously he can afford to pick whoever he chooses, but this is all he could get, you know, and you sort of think, oops, here we go. Well, they kind of remind me, you know, when you're getting picked for rounders, oh, yeah. it's got that sports day vibe. And you know, when you're all like in the lineup in the gym at school and they, they pick everyone they want. And then you've always got these three. Now, I'm not going to say I was in this crowd, but I was in this crowd. <laughs> I was one of the three that never got picked and then just had to go on at the end. Um, it had that vibe mm. as if like all of the all of the crews were assembled on the dock somewhere and then they've basically gone that one that one that one not that one <laughs> i also wonder if these were the pirates that would sign on for money yeah yeah and it's interesting because when we have that little scene between jim olawande and steed in his ready room in his bedroom, basically, Olawande says to him, "You've got a choice, but we don't. We don't have one. No, no. There's nothing else they can do. But this is this is their occupation in life. Yeah, and there's this, and that is quite sad in itself because they're not any good at it. No, and they know they're not any good at it. I mean, I think some of them are quite deluded. Like Black Pete is really deluded. Yeah. He makes up these tall tales about hanging out with Blackbeard and you can just tell it's lies. And they all know it's and lies. And they all know it's lies. I think um, Roach, who's the chef, he's kind of deluded. So there's some of them are deluded and some of them completely know that they are absolutely as useless as useless can be. Yeah. And I think it's really, I think one of the scenes that I found quite interesting going on from this useless um, perspective was when he got them to make, and Steed got them to make flags mm. and they didn't want to do it. And although you said to me that pirates can sew in, in the past, pirates yeah. were very good at sewing. And you said all sailors. All sailors could sew, yeah. So, yeah. So they're making the, the flags and it was a bit like, you know, when you get craft day in primary <laughs> yeah. and they're all having, they didn't like it in the beginning, but then they all get into it. Well, you used to do the craft day at my primary school. I did. <laughs> I did. And it, it was lovely to bring kids out and, and that's what he's doing. And you sort of think to yourself, well, this is how it should be. You should be a, a, having a ship that rehabilitates useless pirates. 
you know, because <laughs> he would be the best person in the world to do that. Yes. Yeah, and I think for the first time, they have a couple of conversations within that sewing circle that don't involve killing. No. I mean, they do have one big conversation that involves killing, which is, are they going to kill Steed? Yeah. But they start to open up more, like, for instance, we get Frenchie asking, can you please pass the black cotton? We've got a little bit about Wee John and his mum and the house of Wee... I mean, I call it the house of Wee John. Yeah. And I want it to launch Let's soon. Let's that. You know. <laughs> but you get some... Connections beginning. Yeah, and it's not all about killing. No. And it's really, really interesting that it opens up some of their characters a bit more. Also, I think it's really telling that Jim doesn't engage in the sewing. Yeah. Jim's just too cool for that. Mm. And no one's going to ask Jim to engage. Mm. <laughs> Sounds just right. Sounds quite nice. I could say that twice. Sounds quite nice. We won't live long. Four year lay a little or smashing, gouge and stab and poke and choke you out. That's a pirate's life. Pirate's life. Short but nice. Four year lay a little or. There's no way around the fact that this would not work without we Starby fronting it up. So let's get into that. So yeah. obviously. We are long-term Restarby fans because we, we started watching Flight of the Concords when it first aired. We are that old. Yeah. We love his stand-up. <laughs> we love his stand-up. And yeah, so so we have we have followed his career. Like, I know that we both go, oh, Restarby's in it. It should be quite funny. First Do you remember he... we watched The X Factor when he was in it? Yes, he was yes. A That's Newsy. Uh, no, it wasn't The X Factor. It was The Masked Singer. <laughs> But if anybody's interested, Reese Darby is a judge, was a judge on The Masked Singer in New Zealand, which you can see on YouTube. So if you've not discovered that yet, discover it now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And the brilliant X-Files he was in. The brilliant X-Files. Anyway, I think you've made a really, really good point about Steve Bonnet would not work played by any other comic actor. No. And I, I was going through a Rolodex of people in my head that I thought, maybe, maybe not. And obviously, one of the ones I thought about was maybe Tim Key. But then I thought, no, it would be too sarcastic. It would be too not engaged with, not engaged with the world. He is just a he... perfect embodiment. I mean, I think the only other person I could think that would make this work, and it would have been when he was younger, is like Rowan Atkinson. Yes, yeah. He could have made this work. To, to make such a foolish character likeable Yeah. is such a hard task. Exactly. And Reese Darby does it so effortlessly. He does. Yeah. You are completely on board with Steed, even though he's shown to be. I mean, you gave some of his qualities. You said selfish. Yeah. You said foolish. Entitled. Entitled. And reckless. And reckless. Yeah. I mean, these are his qualities. <laughs> None of which anyone really would like to embody to that extent. Exactly. But he manages to cut it through yeah. with this real sense of childish naivety. I mean, we have seen a lot of characters throughout throughout the years who have been very bubbly, very... But he's not... But this is not a bubbly character. No. This is a character that does have some darkness. We see the bullying, which is really well embodied by 
Reese Darby's own son plays young Steed Bonnet. Yeah. And the bullying is not, it's not great. It's really horrid. He gets bullied by his father. He gets bullied by the other school kids. And it's totally cut through with this sense that this person doesn't really know themselves. Yeah, because he doesn't ever at any point stand up for himself. Yeah. And if, you know, to, to, to defeat all these awful things that are happening to you, you have to do that. Yeah. I mean, I would also say, you know, you're wealthy, you're rich. Yeah. The problems that you have are not problems that these other pirates that are around you, they have problems. You know, you can tell from Alawande from what he's not saying and what he is saying. So he is basically saying, going back to that speech, he is saying, we've got somewhere to stay, mm. which means he's known when he hasn't had somewhere to stay. He's talking about we, we're getting fed, which means he knows when he's not been fed. Yeah. These are real problems, mm. you know. Yeah, just go and ask them about their lives and then reflect upon your own. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And there's a little bit of like poor little rich girl about this and i love that yeah (laughs) you know and in that poor little rich girl way where he tries to say oh my problems are just like your problems when they're not we were rowdy school chums (laughs) always playing pranks on one another Hmm? do you remember the day with the rowboat the rowboat oh come on now no i can't the rowboat (laughs) it was hysterical (laughs) the antagonist of this episode who's played by rory kinnear who is an old school friend of steed's nigel badminton and i just want to say obviously we're fans of rory kinnear i don't think i've ever seen him in anything that wasn't good no he definitely elevates the bond films yeah. <laughs> and I hate they bring him back. I don't really care. Just going off on a segue. I don't really care who the next James Bond is. I just really hope that they keep Money Penny M Q and Rory Kinnear within the cast. I agree. <laughs> then it would work. Anyway, getting back to what we were saying. <laughs> Rory Kinnear is introduced as Nigel Badminton. He is ridiculous. My favourite line for him is when he goes, I? And it is <laughs> camper than Christmas. But I would say during the, the dinner scene specifically, just to give a bit of background, they are looking for a prize to take another ship. They find a big ship and it turns out to be a naval warship. Which just happens to be captained by Nigel Badminton. Who knows Steve? Who knows Steve? So Nigel decides to come over and have tea. So. Insists. He insists, which is a polite way of saying, if you don't let me come over, I will blow you to hell. Yeah. <laughs> so he comes over and then you have this really excruciatingly tense scene. I would say, when they're all sat down. it's very uncomfortable. And it is really the interplay between Nigel and Steed that is so interesting Mm. because you can see the bullying is continuing. He's relating tales, isn't he? He's relating tales. Steed is kind of having to laugh along and the whole way through, Nigel's looking for people to, like, assert that Steed is awful Mm. that he like french kissed a horse Mm. and he used to pick flowers 
and you can see that it's still continuing and in that way I mean we've all been bullied I was bullied at school yeah in that way you kind of go back into yourself a little bit and you kind of saw Steed retreat back into himself mm. his responses were mono more monosyllabic he wants Nigel not just off the ship because he doesn't want him to realize that he's a pirate but he also just wants him off the ship yeah. because it's too pa it's too yeah, painful yeah. he can't bear it can he no he can't he can't speak he can't find himself when he is there yeah, and because it's... he's trapped in in that awful childhood situation yeah exactly well you literally i mean this is i'm going to be honest if you had said to me reese darby can act and is not just funny i would have said to you no i'm not so sure Okay, because obviously he's great in Flight of the Concords, he's great, but they've all been comedy roles. Yeah. But you kind of saw him diminish a little bit yeah. when he was in his presence. You he know, he gets small. Yeah, he did. And that is just brilliant Very acting. Clever. Very clever. You know, you really saw him sort of hunch over and become smaller and, like you say, shrink and just to embody that. And to to be able to show actually that that's that's how you feel. Imagine being in the room with the, with the childhood bully, mm. and they're there. He is in a hostile situation because less than fifteen minutes before he was told that his crew want to mutiny and kill him, yeah. and now the person who used to make him French kiss a horse is uh, sitting opposite him, <laughs> telling them, "Yeah, oh, do you know?" <laughs> <laughs> I also really liked. When we were alone then with Nigel and Steed in Steed's library ready room, the tension kind of diminished a little bit. And you could see that Nigel didn't actually hate Steed. No. He just didn't think he was one of the one of the boys. No. He was just another. But you could tell that he He's he's still one of their others. Their others. And that's what I was gonna say, because that's class kind of under undershoots this yeah, the whole definitely. way through yeah there's a there's an element of class that that just sits that really is the main thing mm. about this and that steed might be many things but he is one of them mm. he's a gentleman even though he's a loser exactly so nigel does not greet him like he would greet any other pirate because he wouldn't greet any other pirate no. it goes from being very tense where nigel's basically bullying steed again He's bait baiting him isn't he for them to then be back together again and yet nigel gets some nasty hits in like telling how ridiculous his library is and things like that but there's also he's more easy with him mm. when they're alone you know because now they're just we're gentlemen we go into the antechamber and we talk yeah, yeah, it was a nice, nice move. I was also going to ask you a question. There's a moment where they're in the library. Steed picks up this whale ornament. He's looking at the back of Badminton's head and he's thinking, I'm going to hit him. If he had hit him then, he would have just stunned him, wouldn't he? He wouldn't have killed him. I think he would have just stunned him. Because his, his sword wasn't out. So he never would have fallen onto his sword. No, he no, would have no. fallen onto the floor. Yeah. So that's I I just thought that was quite an interesting moment because when I watched it I was like oh well if he had actually gone ahead and hit him then he would have just stunned him and the problem would not have gone away he would you know it, yeah 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 I yeah get what you're saying absolutely whereas yeah so basically the hesitation was the problem 
But it turned out to be the solution. Absolutely. There's an interesting interplay going on between what's going on with Nigel and Steed. When they discuss Steed, he comes out and says, I'm a pirate. And what is going on below decks? Because there are three other naval officers who've been left with the pirates who are pretending not to be pirates at at the dinner table, at the lunch table, whatever we're going to call it. And slowly it starts to all come together because one of the officers finds this the the cache of flags that they've been working on and they're like oh we took them from some pirates and i think it's so interesting between the interplay because the tension slowly ramps up between the two you get this seesaw effect where the officers are going through each of the flags basically taking the piss out of them Mm. and actually the people who are defending them you can tell they made them yeah (laughs) which it's really funny. It was, it was funny. <laughs> and it reached the crescendo between the two because almost roughly at the same time, Steve comes out and says he is a pirate. Mm. The rumours about him are true. And at the same time, Frenchie says he defends his cat flag. And that's when everything Keeps basically off. explodes because you have Roy Kinnears just laughing, laughing, laughing. But then down below, you get that racist incident. Yeah where Frenchie is referred to as a slave. It's interesting as well, something I did notice was that all of the black all of the black characters serve at table. None of them are sitting at the table. They're yeah. all serving at the table. Mm. Which I thought was very telling. Yeah. And about the society of which they live in. Yeah. So one of the officers makes a racial slur, refers to Frenchie as being a slave, and Jim retaliates. Seriously? Yeah, by with some serious knife-throwing skills. And then it all kicks off. Gun under the table. We've got the gun under the table. We've got a good lot of scre- screaming and shouting. We absolutely loved it. We rolled around. <laughs> we did. It was funny. <laughs> I just love it. It was when, so pantomime. When Roach comes out with his knives and he's just, he's ready for the fight. I love it when Wee John suddenly breaks down the door and he appears like a giant. <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and that then you realise that they hid Wee John because they probably couldn't get any clothes to fit him. <laughs> I just love that. Steed does the stun move and Nigel gets stunned so much that he falls onto his sword and pokes out his own brain. <laughs> and I just, I really, I thought it was a lovely moment when you heard it, you didn't see it. Yeah. It was that squelch and you knew it was how heavy it hit and then it went right in and you were like, oh God. What's happened? And it was his, and it was Steve Bonnet's reaction. It was Reese's reaction when he was like, oh! It was a moment of acting that really sold the horror and how funny it was. Some men are born to be pirate captains. Others learn on the job. Watch my buttons. Me? Well, I'm a pretty solid mix of both. So, obviously, we're going to talk about fashion. So there was a lot of rope on show. There was a lot of accessorising with rope that was going on with the other pirates, which I think is an interesting choice. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you've got the duality. If you, you know, you can keep your trousers up, but then obviously if you need some rope, you can just pull off your belt and there you go. Do you think it was an iconic introductory look for his character in the turquoise Suit. It's an amazing suit, amazing colour. The sheer opulence of the fabrics and the colours and the design. And it's it's so different from everybody else around him. I mean, he, he is completely 
he looks so different. Well, it kind of reminds me of a bird of paradise that's managed to infiltrate some pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> and he now lives with these pigeons, even though he's obviously not one of them. He's not. No. And it's really interesting because if you look at the tones of the lot of the other crew, they're very much, they're quite muted. There's not a lot of bright colours. No, and then he all. comes there and not only is he wearing the brightest colour, but it's also pristine because they're all dirty. They've got dirty clothes on. Because they don't have any clothes. No. And the clothes that they do have are clearly, you know, 14th hand. A lot of them don't fit properly. There's there's a mixture of like different weather conditions going on mm -hmm. you know it really feels like they did a deep dive into a charity shop sale and just pulled out whatever was the cheapest and he comes on and his clothes are pristine mm -hmm. but i think that's part of the charm of steve is that he's a peacock and he can't help it and he won't deny it the clothes rail yes all the clothes when they wanted to yeah he had full outfits for everyone it... yeah. yeah and I think that's really interesting because if you look at a lot of other pirate shows, if you look at something like Black Sails, you get a lot of black leather and we're going to get black leather later in the series. You, you have this image of what a pirate would look like and Steve Bonnet actually shows you what a man at the time who had money looked like yeah. and it's really different. Yeah. And it could not be more different. And it does make you wonder, like, seeing him and them in a situation like walking around in London, in certain parts of London, these these rich people, they must have looked like aliens mm. with the huge hairdos and, you know... And targets in a way as well. Well, they, they are targets, them? yeah. But they must have looked like they came from just not even a complete... A, 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 just a, di a different planet the way that they look the way that they wear their clothes mm. they must have just looked so weird and it's really interesting it is it as someone who studied history i'd never thought of that before but when suddenly you saw him amongst them i suddenly thought wow this must have been what it was like if you were moving through certain parts of town and you were wearing like full court dress you must have looked like a complete and utter alien yeah absolutely yeah and it's just really interesting very funny but very socially aware yeah and i think really that's what this first episode has in its favor the social awareness because it's not just a comedy it's not just a slapstick it's not just reese darby with a bunch of lovable rogues on a ship no there are actually they are talking about some cultural issues that are still prevalent to this day racism classism yep. the things that divide people the things that someone in steed bonnet's position would never think about and i think that's what maybe elevates this series i mean we're gonna see how it unfolds i mean i sort of know how it unfolds but you don't no i don't so <laughs> now i think for each episode that we look at we should give it a mark out of 10 and we should also talk about how successful we we felt this pilot episode was. This is your first exposure to a full episode. What did you think of the pilot? I thought it worked because of Darby. Because if it, he hadn't been in it, it just the, the whole idea is bonkers and a bit unpleasant. Mm. I think the tone would have been unpleasant without him. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. What would you give it out of 10? Probably seven and a half. I think that's solid for a pilot. Now... Before we actually finish the episode, I was something that I had noticed was that we have a 
an Aardman film that we particularly love, which is Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists, which stars Hugh Grant and Martin Freeman. That's right. Weirdly, it also has I'm Not Crying, the song by Flight of the Concords, which I think really should have played out this episode, this pilot episode. Our Flag Means Death, this first episode, sort of felt like a continuation of that storyline but with the real people yeah absolutely (laughs) so i would suggest if you are a fan of our flag means death if you've enjoyed listening to our review of this first episode definitely if you haven't seen the pirates in an adventure with scientists yet i mean the title's awful (laughs) I would definitely try and find it and watch it because it's really funny. It's well worth And it would look. pair well with this, like a fine wine with a good cheese. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining me for this episode that wasn't Doctor Who. How are you feeling? No. Okay. You feeling okay? Yep. That's good. <laughs> Tears of sadness, the tears of joy. I'm just.